Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 275 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety, Company Bonds, and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bonds you need, get a quote and purchase online at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And of course, we want to mention that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everyone agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but now, more than ever before, knowing the right tools will make all the difference. And as I like to say at the start of all our podcasts in 2020, what a difference another week or two makes. And the big changes just keep rolling along. In our last episode, we took a deep dive into the the organization building block of our second brain project. And we recommend that you, uh, if you're interested in that, take a listen to all the this, this second brain uh, episodes. In this episode, we wondered if all the video that we are now seeing means it is time for our listeners to think about becoming video stars. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing whether we've moved into a new era of DIY video production and distribution. Uh, In our second segment, we're going to share what we've learned from almost a year of upgrading and improving our home offices. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, uh, is this a bona fide do-it-yourself era of video? Uh, And should we all be joining in? I think that's the question we want to ask today. If there's one thing that's having a moment in this pandemic, it's video. There are a lot of things having a moment, but video is certainly one of them. Zoom, as we're recording this, Zoom is just reporting a 367% increase in revenue for the third quarter, uh, and good webcams and good lighting are still hard to come by online. And it's not just meetings, it's YouTubers and TikTokers and online courses are getting millions of followers just by shooting video And we have to ask, could it really be that simple? So we thought we'd talk about the video craze and what might be in it for lawyers. Dennis, what got you thinking about this topic? Well, a couple of things. So one is I've produced a ton of video content over this year. I was looking back and there's 50 or 60 hours of uh, uh, videos of my classes. And each class is essentially a 100-minute video production, uh, three major online courses that are video, webcasts, online presentations, short videos that are, are intro, intros and explainers. 
And um, in some ways, it's been surprisingly not too difficult, although we kind of caught me on a day where I've spent the whole day doing video editing. And I may revise the not so difficult thing because I think that video editing, as opposed to just the creation of the raw video, is a bit more complicated uh, and time consuming that I would would hope, but it's sort of that ease of creation and the number of outlets that I think have started to make video really interesting. I've been interested in video for longer than this pandemic has been going on. And one of the things that I went into 2020 being really interested in starting to think about doing, and it just hasn't really worked out for me, is I've been watching all kinds of productivity experts talk about tools and systems and, and, and do video demonstrations and things like that. Um, and I really enjoy watching that, and I really enjoy teaching people about those types of things, collaboration tools, other kinds of tools. Um, I'd like to do the same thing. I think that that's kind of, I think that's kind of what has gotten me interested in doing more video stuff. But I will tell you, and as we get into this subject a little bit more, I think it's hard. I think that to be successful at this type of thing, um, I may come off being the uh, old grumpy man on this episode because I think that breaking into and doing video successfully is not easy. There, I said it. And we'll talk about that more and what I mean by that. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not going to disagree because I think the editing thing, if, if I look back, Tom, when we first started the podcast and we were producing it ourselves and, you know, editing ourselves and it is just, uh, it takes a lot. And if you don't do it on a regular basis and have the right tools and the right equipment, um, it's hard work and you forget get these things and you're you're thinking oh this is going to be super easy to do and and today i was in iMovie and i'm going like well is it it seems like i should just delete this stuff but there's there's terms like trimming and splitting and cropping and they all have very specific meanings and it's easy to forget what those are even if you've you've done that once as opposed to if you're doing it on a regular basis so um, we'll talk about TikTok and some of these other things where you're kind of editing on the fly that that uh, I think become interesting in this context because uh, if you try to do long form video, um, I think that that really does become a lot of work. But I was doing, I kind of rely on you always for stats, Tom, but I, I did look at some of the stats on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, which were uh, kind of a little harder to come by than I expected. But it, it is worth knowing that uh, uh, 500 hours of new video is uploaded to, to YouTube every minute. That's 30,000 uh, hours of video per hour on YouTube. Uh, so there is a there are a lot of people creating video and uh, the newer you know the newer platforms are are you know the same way i mean it's, it's a little bit harder for me to find stats but uh, there's a lot happening there with a lot of creators on uh, tiktok especially yeah, what's interesting, Dennis, is, is that you pulled the exact same statistic about YouTube that I had pulled about the 500 hours of video per minute. But let's switch that around because that's 500 being uploaded by video creators. Um, the statistics are that over 1 billion hours are being watched per day. So uh, for all, every hour that's up there, there are many eyeballs watching those things constantly. A billion hours per day is just amazing. 
Um, when we talk about TikTok, TikTok has really, I think, people who listen to the show who know me personally may know that I'm a fan of The Amazing Race. And a couple of years ago, um, there were a number of social media influencers who were contestants. And, and below their name, it would, instead of showing what their profession was, it would just show the number of followers they had. And they all have like 5 million followers and 7 million followers and 10 million followers. And this past week, um, a TikTok uh, celebrity personality um, just gained her 100 millionth follower, which I don't. I mean, nobody has. Th- those are numbers that are crazy. And and I'll talk a little bit about how you know I personally don't understand how there's 100 million people following her because the stuff she does is really, in my opinion, silly and inane and not very serious or interesting in in any way. But even relatively unknown people, even you know, I talk about the productivity channel that I'm interested in, um, they have 10, 20, 30, 40,000 followers and are regularly getting lots and lots of views doing things. So, uh, you know, no matter what platform you're choosing to do it, this is part of what we talked about before. The 1,000 true fans can really be the 50,000 true fans, the 100 million true fans. It's possible to get an audience doing some of these things on some of these platforms. Yeah, I, I think that the potential audience is is out there, and you know, with with COVID uh, putting the kibosh on uh, commuting for a lot of people, that uh, people are turning to to videos, and it's clearly uh, um, not to go all boomer on people, but it is kind of like a younger generation thing. That's you know that. Uh, really relies on video and the the shorter uh, videos especially um, and so it's it's just a you know a form of communication that that really makes sense uh, for for a lot of people which um, is the reason I started to think about it is to say well how would you kind of go into into that platform and reach new audiences through video when in my case, and I think your case as well, Tom, it's like, well, we started out by writing and then it was a, a big leap to do podcasting and audio. And then video just seemed like too, you know, too much. Like how, how why would, how can you do that? And then um, this year with Zoom, you, just, you say, well, to do a long form video, I can just get on Zoom, hit the record. And, you know, like whether it's a class, whether it's a presentation, whatever, I have it and I have the recording. I can do a little simple editing to kind of trim the front end of it and the, the back end of it. And um, and I'm all set and I have something I can put up onto YouTube or or whatever I want to do with it. And. And as you know, Tom, it's the you know pretty much the right price for me, which is free on all, all of this stuff. I mean, you do run into uh, you know a, a few things that you need to think about, but uh, like today, I, I learned that if you didn't have a, a verified YouTube account, you couldn't put up you can't put up a video more than fifteen minutes long. So you, there's two solutions to that. It's pretty straightforward to get a verified account. Uh, or the other thing is you just split your videos into into chunks that are, are, are less than 15 minutes. So there's this kind of ease of doing it. And I think um, it's like one of those things where you go like, well, actually the long form is kind of, kind of really easy. Um, and that made me start to think about 
the shorter form and what what's happening there. So I don't know, Tom, what, what maybe your reactions to this, the ability to create and whether, uh, and I know you've, you've been interested in video for a long time and, and you, you were just involved in doing a, uh, what I'll call a music video that was kind of professionally done. So do you see this difference between uh, what you might do long form and short form? Well, let me get that comment out of the way real quick and say that uh, the music video was actually a video that we um, we did for the charity show that that our bar association puts on here in Dallas every year. Since we weren't able to have a live show in front of people, um, we all did kind of a Zoom version of a video where we recorded ourselves um, singing a song and uh, we hired a company to put it all together, which was about as professional as it got. But I will tell you, for that three minutes of video, it took me four Four hours to record it because I had to find the right location. I had to find the right place. I had to get everything set up. I had to make sure that the camera was set up. Um, I had to practice a while to make sure I got it right. I did about maybe 20 takes before I had it perfectly the way that I wanted to do it. Um, just that three minute video was was really challenging for me. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a little bit more detail about why. I think you are right that it is fairly straightforward to be able to take a long-form video and do a minor editing to it and post it immediately to a platform. The, qu the bigger question I will have is, is that, is that what people will be interested in watching? Because when I watch what other people are producing these days, they are producing, you know, it depends on what you mean by long-form, because... Short form, and maybe let's let's talk about let's talk about TikTok for a minute, and 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 maybe not just TikTok, but anybody who's doing what we would call uh, stories. And every app out there, um, every social media app has some type of stories. Instagram has stories. Facebook has stories. I think LinkedIn has stories now too. I think you can do little tiny videos of things. I think TikTok does it better than anybody. They have the biggest following. But what it winds up being is it winds up being fairly short videos that you can basically do anything for. And um, you, you talk about editing that on the fly. I've seen some incredibly well put together 20 second videos where teenagers have, you know, I've, there's one where he has turned into five different superheroes within a 20 second span and part of them are animated and he's been able to splice animation in there. So I don't know that that's doing it on the fly. That feels like a professional production doing that. But I will say that we're going to talk about these different platforms. The short form is what we're seeing most of these social media platforms do. I think there's a value to these short form tools. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But I don't know exactly what you mean by long form. I mean, a presentation for lawyers is an hour long sometimes. I find that the most successful videos uh, that I watch on YouTube are 15, 20 minutes. They're not very long. They don't spend a lot of time getting into it. They are engaging. They're quick, but they are they they they, they don't spend a lot of time uh, compared to what I would see lawyers droning on and on and on for an hour on a boring CLE topic. Um, that's kind of where I want to make sure that people understand that when we think about long form, you may have to rethink your idea of what long form means to be effective in video online. Yeah, and I, I think that there is the, the uh, like you, you said, for me, long form is probably anything longer than seven minutes. Um, and then probably I, I also kind of characterize it as something that's kind of 
live or live like where the cameras are rolling, you know, so it could be conversations, presentations, those sorts of things. Um, typically when you're thinking about, uh, doing an online course, you'd be looking at, uh, three to seven minute videos um, uh, that, you know, constituted a lesson. And then you'd have series of, uh, you know, a series of lessons. But because of the attention span and how difficult it is to kind of keep people focused on what's essentially a talking head. I saw a great uh, presentation the other day in the form of a webcast where it was clearly shot with two cameras, um, very, you know, really high quality video, one from the side, one from front. And they were, they just alternated the cuts and they also put in videos and other things pretty seamlessly. And I, I could see how much work that was, but compared to just turning the video on yourself and doing something, it's a ton, ton more work. I think we're sort of in this early phase, like we were with podcast time, where you can kind of get away with a video that's not as professional. Um, and maybe that comes from back in the old days of uh, America's Funniest Home Videos and stuff. We're, we're kind of a little bit more tolerant of video quality that's amateurish if it's shorter so long form you know like i said it's kind of like keep the cameras rolling I, so but i think the those really short forms so tiktok is 60 seconds or less um and i think we once did a podcast time where we talked about vine if you remember that like six second uh videos and people could tell a story in six seconds it's amazing i mean it's like an amazing talent to be able to do that and so there's actually a lot that you can you could tell in 60 seconds where you start to say, wow, how much can I tell in 60 seconds rather than 60 minutes? And, you know, can I convey complex legal uh, topics or even standard legal topics that people would need to know in in 60 seconds or less? And it's, it's kind of a really interesting challenge and, and probably um, the way we're headed. You know, I was always amazed that Vine was able to, that people who used Vine were able to convey that much within six seconds. And I think that if you look at TikTok these days, people can convey a whole lot within a very short period of time. I will say, though, that that the, the types of stories that I see um, more often tend to be very frivolous. There's lots of young teenagers who are dancing and just doing dancing moves and not being particularly good at the dancing, but they are doing it. And maybe it's part of COVID quarantine and that's all they have to do. So I'm intrigued and interested that there might be a place for lawyers with the short form, but let's save that for when we talk about the platforms. Um, so maybe let's dive in a little bit more into the platforms themselves and what we think is valuable and maybe not so valuable for lawyers to think about. Dennis, well, actually, let me, let me, let me start I'll kick it off and talk about, we'll talk about the ones that are more of the long form video that we're talking about. And for those two, we're going to talk primarily about YouTube and Vimeo. So YouTube is the one that everybody knows. It's the 800 pound gorilla in the whole thing. It has the biggest reach, 
I view that that's one of its advantages. The other advantage that Dennis mentioned, free, it's, it's, there, there, there are um, versions that you can use to not get ads, but you're paying as a viewer, not as a recorder. To be verified, you didn't have to pay any money to be verified, right, Dennis? You didn't have to pay anything for that. No, so it's just like a multi-factor type thing where they right. confirmed I was who I was. Yep, you just have to show who you are, and, and then they'll let you do that. So it's free. And then Google's business is analytics. So the analytics that you get on the videos, I think, are going to be unparalleled. The, you know, of course, that comes along with taking and getting a lot of information about you, which may be a disadvantage to using YouTube. Vimeo is a smaller platform. It, you may not have heard of it. You may have seen videos that have been recorded on uh, on Vimeo. I, I would say that it's a smaller community. There are small, a smaller number of people who use it. My understanding is the privacy options there are better. You know, where Google is not going to give you a lot of privacy at all, Vimeo is going to be better about it. Uh, there are no ads on Vimeo videos. I understand that the video quality might be better. Um, the difference, though, is, is that to get certain features or to get analytics, you have to pay. You have to be a premium user and you have to pay. There are different levels of subscription. So unlike YouTube, um, there is a price to uh, uh, to using those tools. Um, Dennis, kind of where is, so for me, YouTube is still where I would want to be just because of the reach, uh, but I can definitely see why someone would want to use Vimeo. I don't know how you feel about the those two and how they fall down for you. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I've gravitated to, to YouTube. Um, I gave some thought to Vimeo uh, because of closed captioning, uh, but I, I think that, that YouTube allows for some closed captioning. It just may be easier on Vimeo. And, and obviously these are moving targets on a, a lot of these things because you, know, you get improvements all the time. So that's something to... Uh, to keep in mind. So in YouTube, I'll create uh, videos uh, to go onto my Mining Networks platform uh, for courses. And then with YouTube, I can make a video public and I can have a channel and you, you present yourself, you're sort of findable by the whole YouTube audience. But for the for pay courses, then obviously you want to do something that uh, they use. A, they have a functionality called unlisted which basically then allows you to use YouTube for the hosting of your video for your course without uh, people being able to, to watch it uh, for free. So I like that. So you, you're just gonna have to kind of look those there and you can do both clearly. Uh, it's just that, you know, I can tell you from today that, that it takes a while to to upload and configure and tag and do all the things that you need to do with longer form videos because you're working with, with very big files. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. So that's my thought there. The other places we talked about are, as you said, this, this sort of everything that allows you to do stories. So I would say definitely people uh, consider Instagram to be a, a very significant video platform. 
So if you're already using Instagram for other purposes, then I would say shorter form videos you might put on to Instagram as well. And then TikTok has, uh, it was originally 15 second limit and uh, you can do 60 seconds now. Um, so there's this part of me, Tom, when I think about that and I see how big the audiences are on both platforms. And, and I guess with the change in administration, the concern about TikTok being banned in the U.S. is probably uh, probably has gone away. It's something you might, you might want to think about, but there will be a lot of unhappy people if TikTok is banned, and that's because of Chinese ownership slash interest slash server locations are what's what is the concern of the day uh, on on that. Um, so. I, I think very interesting, and maybe you do different uh, platforms for different things that you do, but uh, it started to make me think that the 60-second the uh, video is going to be the unit to use because it can be uh, used in so many different places. I don't think TikTok was ever in danger of being banned. I think that um, instead of being banned, and, and that may, and this may still happen, is that TikTok was going to be purchased by a U.S. company or at least partnered with it. I think it was going to be Oracle. Was it Oracle and and mm -hmm. Walmart? Oracle uh, that were partnering to do things. Um, it's, it's about having a place uh, not in China that stores the videos, and so I don't think that was ever going to happen. I think that TikTok is incredibly intriguing, as are all of the video places that do short-form videos. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, they all have story stories out there, and they all allegedly have audiences for all of those. To me, TikTok is intriguing because of the sheer number of people who use TikTok, but the that both the challenge and the promise of a tool like TikTok is the demographic. The huge demographic on TikTok is... 25 and under. Um, there, there's not a lot of people over the age of 25 who are using TikTok on a regular basis, let alone know what TikTok is. Now, is that an ideal place for an, an innovative, enterprising lawyer to start teaching uh, young adults about the legal system and about the importance of having a will or the importance of, you know, if you're getting ready to get married here in a few years, what to be thinking about? Um, I think that there are incredible opportunities in short form it may be a while before you find an audience just because it hasn't gotten to that point yet, or at least uh, I don't see lawyers using it in that way yet, but I am incredibly intrigued by the possibilities of using it for that purpose. Now, let me, let me add a couple of other things to the mix. We've talked about YouTube and Vimeo as being a place to put recorded video. We've talked about stories. What we haven't talked about is live video. We haven't talked about live streaming. And live streaming is another option for video for you. And so I would say that one of the tools to look at and, and, and pay attention to over the coming year is going to be Twitch. Twitch is originally designed as a live streaming service for gamers. You can go online and watch people play games all the time and they make lots of money with people just watching them play games and it's insane. You may have seen before the election that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, got online and played a game called Among Us. A, she played a video game online and 450,000 
thousand people showed up to watch her play a video game. I, I say that not to talk about politics, but to say that a celebrity can go online and draw that kind of crowd. Just think about what you could do if you wanted to get online and say, you know, I want to talk for 30 minutes about this recent case that I heard today. Um, YouTube has a live version. You can live stream on YouTube if you want to do it live rather than do the recording. And then that that video is automatically stored as part of one of your videos. So those are two, I think, also very interesting options. I can I think that Twitch is going to be moving away from gaming and moving more into other areas in the near future. And uh, I think that's very interesting from a live streaming standpoint. Obviously, Zoom, uh, Dennis talks about Zoom video. Uh, Microsoft Teams now has the ability to host and record video events. Um, And so they would be live video. Right now, you can have up to 10,000 people in a a conference with just a regular Microsoft Teams plan. In certain circumstances, you can get up to 100,000 people for a live event. It provides you with registration, with analytics. Um, If you wanted to hold an online conference and have all of it filmed and recorded in teams you could do that fairly in a fairly straightforward way um, I've seen several conferences in teams and they they work really really well so other options for trying video um, I, I think they all kind of depend on what use you want to make of the video the one of the things for me is uh, what's changed so much is that if you thought about um, doing video in the past, like where you would store it, how you would store it, how big the files were, all those sorts of things uh, were daunting um, and were were discouraging to you. And now there's all these platforms, like the thing is like trying to choose which which thing that you want and then uh you know tom this all through this year we've kind of talked about video presence and equipment lighting audio in earlier uh episodes which i'd recommend so you you have all of those things and then i think that of course uh rolls us back to our usual question uh which is you know, why should you do video or should you think about it? You should think about it, I think. But why and what would you, uh, as I always say, what are you hiring video to do for you? So what is the, the job to be done? And I think you pointed to, you know, some some really cool ideas, Tom, that, you know, if, if you're a lawyer, that this can get you to, you know, audiences, uh, maybe in places they already are, but in this very... Um, desirable, easy to consume thing that people like, which is the the short videos um, and that, you know, can be educational, they can be funny, uh, you know, you can, I don't know that you could kind of do, you know, some dance video to a legal concept, but, you know, if you're only, if it's 60 seconds, you might be able to get away with, with something. So I think there's that, that you need to think about, you know, audience, what you can do. Can you do content? Um, is this a medium that makes sense to you? All those, all those things out there. And then I, I would say the thing that comes up a lot, Tom, is just when you're, you're trying to do video, you're saying like, well, I, do I need a studio? Do I have to do all these things? And you, you're putting all this stuff together and then you realize that um, you have this uh, tough question, which is that the talent for your videos is you. 
And so people sometimes say, I have a face for, uh, f for radio, uh, and that can be a hurdle. Uh, you know, watching yourself on video is, can be difficult. And, um, you know, I, I hope it's true that video makes you look 10 or 15 pounds heavier, because if not, I, I, I need to be losing some, some weight here soon. But so I, I think there are all of those things where you say, oh, my God, do I look like that? You know, like, um, you know, do I need acting lessons, those sorts of things. So that's some of the things I think about that can be hurdles for, for lawyers who want to get into this. And Tom, you, you've done acting and, you know, musicals and things like that. So uh, some of these things are uh, easier for you, but it's, none of it's easy when you're seeing yourself, you know, up, up on the screen. I don't think any of it's easy, period. I think that I might feel more comfortable starting it out because I've had experience doing whatever level of acting I've been doing, but I would not ever say that any of this is easy. So I guess let's, we, we're running out of time in this segment. So maybe let's talk about, you know, Dennis, why you're so bullish on this and kind of some ideas that you might have. And then I'll kind of react to that and give you, you know, tell you whether I'm bullish or bearish or how I'm feeling about this whole thing. And then let's wrap it up. I, I told you before the show, I was a lot more bullish before I spent the day doing uh, <laughs> editing some videos, and which is, is difficult. And I think it's like one of those things that if you do it on a regular basis, it's, uh, you know, it's a skill that you can learn fairly easily. But um, it takes a lot of computer power. Um, you've, you know, there's... F concepts that are sort of foreign to you things don't work quite the way you want um and it can make your uh your computer fairly sluggish so there are some things there that, that give me hesitation and where you know the solution might be that you just find somebody who uh you create the the raw video and somebody edits it for you which uh, i think is a, a very reasonable approach to take. So I'm I'm bullish because uh, we're not people are not going to be commuting for a while, and uh, I mean a lot of people aren't going to be commuting for a while. There's going to be a lot more work from home, and people like uh, the short videos, and they also like um, I think you do like webcasts and other things where there's there's high information content. So I, I think this is this new medium that uh, is going to, to really, uh, you know, rise up in both value and the audience that's happening um, at the, the younger level, I think it's just going to filter up. And I think we're just going to see, uh, you know, a, a lot more video. So that's, that's what's attractive to me. And I guess, like, for me, it's I see courses, I see short videos, I do video tips. I have this idea of doing uh, is my TikTok exper experiment. I have a 57 tips from my innovation book and just doing like a, you know, whatever it would be, 15, 20 second TikTok video of each of those 57 tips and then making those available. So there's a lot of things you can think about that you could experiment with um, in, in the video form and just get your, you know, dip your toes in and see if it's like all of these things, social media, uh, any kind of content production, whether it's the one that fits you and 
that's uh, that's the real test. Uh, I wasn't sure. I never thought it would be video would be the thing that interests me. But I said when I, I look back and I say, if you look at my classes, I've created you know sixty probably sixty hours of video uh, just in classes so far this year. For me, like in most things, I um, I kind of fall down on both sides of this issue. So I am feeling both bullish and bearish about all of this. I am bullish for the reasons that you say. I think of all media right now, video really has the best potential. It's the most uh, accessible. It's this thing that, you know, I'm, I am sorry to all of us who have blogs, but if I look over at somebody, uh, not that I'm seeing lots of people on mass transit or on a plane or anything these days, but if I look over at somebody looking at their phone and I ask them, what are they doing? They're not saying, oh, I'm reading this great blog post. I never hear that. I always say, oh, they always say, oh, I'm watching a video. Um, I mean, that it tends to be the most accessible and it's something that people are doing. And I think that it is a huge way of communicating today. I am bearish because the bar for quality is, has already been set so high here. Uh, like you mentioned, double cameras. I see some videos where they're shooting B-roll, where they're shooting different stuff on their, on their videos, where the, the audio quality is fantastic, the lighting and the bokeh that they sew, where it's just amazing stuff, um, where they sound professional because they sit there and they edit it so tightly that it never looks like they ever quit uh, talking. It looks like a single take that's been edited so professionally, even though there might be 20 or 30 different stops and splits, because it it is hard to do all of that. I worry that it becomes that I become a perfectionist that needs to get to that level to do it. But that's not going to stop me. I'm still interested in doing it. I still am interested in talking mostly about collaboration tools and productivity tools and teaching people how to use technology using video. That's really where my interest lies. Um, in our second segment, we'll talk more about why I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, but uh, I intend to try it out and see what's going on. I don't think that my bearishness is going to prevent me. and I don't think it should prevent you, any of you out there listening, um, because I think that there's too many opportunities out there, um, whether it's a 20-second TikTok video or a, an online course that you put on for uh, potential clients. All right, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local, pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best. So you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Many of us have spent most of uh, 2020 working from a home office. And if you're like us, you've been doing a, a lot of fussing around to get your own office set up 
just the way you want. So we thought it'd be a good time to look at our own home offices and share what has seemed to work best for us. Tom, you probably made more home office upgrades than anybody I know. What's working best for you these days? Well, I'm assuming by that you mean that since I've been working at home for 12 years, I've had practice at it. So I'm guessing that that's what that means. Um, And to be fair, I've made some changes over time, uh, but I would say that, um, that, that I am making more changes now in reaction to video, in reaction to how I am having meetings, in reaction to how I am having to work from home because I am not traveling as often as I used to. So whatever my work from home, my home office is looking like is a direct reaction to what's been going on this year. And really it takes up I would say three major things. One is the desk. I have right now a very solid, massive, old, dark wood desk that has big cabinets next to it, that there's matching bookcases, there's a matching file cabinet. It takes up a lot of space in the room. It is very nice and professional looking, and I hate it. It's just so out of date for me, and I want to get rid of it immediately. I've been wanting a standing desk for a long time, but I want a nice, good quality standing desk. I don't want one that that looks like it belongs in an office and people, everybody gets one. I want kind of a one that would be suitable for a home office. So I've, I've ordered a custom desk that is now in the third month of waiting for it because they are not in the right parts. But it's going to be, I think, going to be kind of the the focus of how I, uh, I'm going to change the office up. I'm going to have uh, put different things on the walls. I'm going to have a different viewpoint from where I am right now. Um, and I will be able to do videos in a much better way once that desk comes in. My best purchase so far, because the desk doesn't count because I don't have it, has been that 39-inch monitor that we talked about on a, on a previous episode. Um, having that much real estate and doing that much has, has been just amazing. I love it. I love it. If you have the opportunity to to get a large monitor, I say way better than double monitors. It is so nice. Um, my second best purchase is the webcam that we're using right now. Um, my, I'm using the Logitech Brio. It's a 4K camera. I can tell the difference when I look at other people's videos versus my videos. It takes, I think, incredibly crisp, clear video. It's it's a great uh, camera. Um, a, 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 good luck finding it. It's been like everything else. It's been hard for people to find it these days. Hopefully, they'll, uh, they'll get that back in stock. Those are the three best things I think I've done for my home office this year. Dennis, what about you? Well, I'm kind of the opposite of you in in a couple of ways. So I just have sort of like a, a table is is my desk and I'm, I'm trying to keep things fairly lean. My best purchase was your recommendation. So I went with the, the big monitor, which is a move from a 12 inch MacBook and uh, which has has made a significant difference. And I, and I also agree with you that the home office, I, almost everything is being driven by video. It's like, because I have a note that I need to rethink the lighting, you know, um, in, in the workspace I have. 
Uh, you're looking at the background. Do I need, if you could find a green screen, I maybe, you know, a green screen is, is part of that. So those are the things I look at and I, I say, oh, I got, you know, microphones, microphone stands. I have all these things. I have a tripod uh, for, uh, you know, for a camera because I'm using a, a digital camera in some cases when I, when I do video. You know, so it's, uh, that's what I, what I see is kind of like, it's, it's geared to, I almost think of it not as a, a home office, but as this uh, video studio that I'll be working out of um, in, a, in a funny sort of way. Um, and, you know, so what's on the wall, those sorts of things. And I also want some, some whiteboard, you know, the ability to whiteboard as well. But even then, when you set up the, the, the home office and you say, I want to have a whiteboard and I want to do these things, and you say, well, but if I'm shooting video here, then uh, you know, I have to either cover that stuff up or do a green screen or do something with the background so it's not included. So it is interesting, Tom, that, that your point that the video drives so, mu so much, but that's what I'm, what I'm seeing that's working. And even on the standing desk, which I have stayed away from. I had one when I was at MasterCard, just didn't like it at all. But um, I would think about it because it would allow me to do video while I was standing instead of sitting in a chair. So it's it's funny how everything just comes, comes back to video. But definitely trying for a, a much leaner approach than, than I've ever had before. Um, and I don't know how successful I've been on that. It's time for Parting Shots, that one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So in the past couple of podcasts, we've talked about um, the, the app called Readwise as um, kind of a game changer in terms of taking any highlights that you make in your Amazon Kindle books, in your Instapaper or Pocket articles, and syncing them to your note-taking tools or just syncing them so you have them available. Well, they just had a massive, massive, massive upgrade. And um, it, it's amazing that for eight bucks a month, you get as much stuff as you, as you get. Um, they've totally redesigned all their apps. They're doing still doing the export integrations. They're integrating all of your highlights, or excuse me, exporting all your highlights to either Notion, which we're going to talk about in an upcoming podcast, Evernote and Rome Research, which we talked about on the previous podcast. Um, you can, uh, they have new sources that you can um, highlight from. We talked, I've talked about Kindle and, and, uh, and, and, and Instapaper and Pocket. You can now highlight PDFs, just a regular PDF file, and it will take those and sync them up. Um, if you use Google Playbooks, if you use Feedly as your feed reader, it will sync uh, highlights that you make in Feedly articles. Um, the Air podcast app that we talked about before, the one for grabbing content or clips of podcasts. You can clip them and save those highlights uh, to Readwise. Um, also Scribed. Dennis talks about Scribed or Scribd, whatever it is, with the, the, the tool for looking at magazines and things like that, other articles and books. Um, you can do that as well. Um, they have a public API, which means it's going to start connecting with more and more tools. Um, I'm just going to stop there. There's so many other things that they have that are available. It's really a great tool. I can't recommend it enough. Readwise.io. Um, just eight bucks a month for the premium plan. It's really great. And I also have the premium plan, um, so I'm a fan as well, um, and can't can't wait to to start using it um, on a more systematic basis. So my parting shot. Um, 
as usual, uh, goes back to Cool Tools, one of our favorite sites, uh, with all its recommendations for uh, cool tools. And uh, so they do a weekly newsletter called Recommendo, uh, which we've uh, recommended for a long time as, as well. But uh, recently they did this thing that's, that's kind of cool is that, uh, and something I've kind of wanted because it saves a step for me. So they've created the Recommendo Amazon storefront. And so some of the things that they've recommended, they've just put all to, together in one kind of storefront, sort of like a long scrolling page uh, on Amazon. So you can just look through it, find the things you want. Perfect uh, here in gift giving season, and uh, all those those great recommendations they made. You can kind of scroll through them, and uh, you know immediately order them or put them on your wish list on Amazon. So super convenient service, uh, and it did make me wonder whether uh, that's something that uh, I might want to do as well once I kind of figure out what it is that they've done. It looks like it uh, requires a little bit more Amazon engagement than I have at the at the moment and maybe a little bit more complex than I thought, but uh, very interesting. And I guess during the uh, this gift-giving season, uh, great resource, uh, but it is dangerous. I found a couple things that I, I felt I had to buy. I always find at least one good thing out of every Recommendo episode, if not more. So, And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous episodes along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. We're getting ready to have our year-end show where we talk about the best of the year in legal technology. If you have a topic you think we should discuss or have a question, please leave us a voicemail. We're going to have a special guest, and we'd love to talk about anything you want us to talk about. Uh, that number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.